1: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
5: Welcome to On The Mat. I'm Kent Sesker with the Dan Gable International Wrestling Institute Museum. Uh, welcome to our program. Tonight's guest will be... Andy Hamilton from the Iowa City Press Citizen as well as former professional wrestling star Rene Goulet and journalist Jay Michael Kenyon. On the phone with us tonight is Andy Hamilton. Andy, how are you today? Good, how about you, Ken? I'm doing real good. Thanks for joining us uh, on the program. For those of you out there in the wrestling world, well known for uh, Andy Hamilton's terrific articles that he writes for the Iowa City Press Citizen. He's been with the paper for uh, 11 years now and covers both football and football. And wrestling, and a little bit of baseball. How are things in Iowa City, Andy?
3: It's been a busy, busy day. The Hawks have uh,
2: gotten three football recruits today, which is an unusually high number for the you know for late or late June, and kind of kind of been a wild goose chase today.
5: All right, always keeping you hopping there, uh, Andy. Of course, you had an opportunity to attend the World Team Trials a few weeks ago in Council Bluffs, Iowa, where two former Hawkeyes uh, emerged. Uh, out of the seven freestyle wrestlers and made the world team, 132-pounder Mike Zaddick and 145-pound Brent Metcalf. Tell us uh, about these two uh, wrestlers and what you thought of their performances at the world team trials.
3: Well, I'll start with uh,
2: Mike, and that's probably about as as good as I've ever seen him him wrestle. I mean, he was uh, uh, really aggressive, uh, had some really nice shots, um throughout the tournament um you know on top of it uh it just seemed like you know he, he's a guy that's a little bit of a slow starter he lost uh lost the first period in the last four matches that he wrestled but he came back and won all four and and you know you look at his his career and that's kind of been uh you know a, a track record with mike or, or he's a little bit of a slow starter but uh, as a match wears on as a tournament wears on he just seems to get better and better and uh you know that was the case uh in the bunch series he uh you know just didn't let anything uh really fluster him that uh, you know the singlet grabbing and, the, and all that stuff that, that went on that uh, bunches penalized a couple times and it, it really didn't seem to, to rattle mike a whole lot and uh you know just kind of kept uh kept his focus and, and stayed on the offense and and you know he's a guy that, that's hard to score on to begin with but uh when when he's scoring points he's he's got the ability to compete with the best guys in the world and um you know i like i said i think this is the best that i've, I've seen him wrestle and that goes back to uh you know beyond when he was a world silver medalist in 2006 and then uh, you know with brent uh brent metcalf i same thing i mean i haven't i've have not seen him wrestle that well in a long long time to where uh uh you know just you know he's a he's a guy that's aggressive by nature but but he really cranked it up in those last two matches and uh to take down a guy like Freier five times in one match like he did in the in the second period the second match of the series is, is just phenomenal i mean a guy with Freyer's defense and and counter offense you, you've got to be really selective in in what shots you take and uh, uh you know for brent to take him down five times is just just unreal so, uh, you know, he's a he's guy at 23 that, uh, you know, tons of upside, and especially if, uh, if he wrestles like that where, where he's um, constantly on the attack and, and smart with his attacks and, and crisp with them.
5: I agree. Uh, Brett Metcalf had some tremendous wins. Obviously, uh, he, he defeated Doug Schwab. He defeated uh, uh, Charella, and then uh, finally got over the hump with the KG veteran, Jared Frere. Uh, in the championship series that went uh, to the third bout. It went to the very last period, 0-0, zero zero, and a little bit of controversy in the clinch that uh, Metcalf came out on top of that. But I concur with you as well. Mike Zadig is becoming quite the, the savvy, cagey veteran, and uh, nothing that Sean Bunch did... Uh, really affected him. Some, say, some, some questionable cheap shots, eye gouge, head butts, whatever, but uh, Zada kept his cool and uh, looked outstanding and, again, was second in the world in uh, 06, was on the 07 world team, Olympian in 08, and uh, hopefully this will be his time to shine and uh, do some real damage in uh, Moscow, Russia, in early September at the World Championships. Uh, Doug Schwab, of course, uh, you know very well, even though He's a Red Sox fan, and, and you're a Yankees fan, and I'm glad you're able to overcome that barrier in your professional relationship, Andy. Uh, Doug Schwab, of course, was named the UNI head wrestling coach uh, a couple of months ago, and you know him well. What are some of the, the strengths that he brings to the table as a coach that's going to help the UNI wrestling program?
2: Big-time passion, um, enthusiasm, energy, uh, not to mention he's, he's a tireless worker, and I, and I go all the way back to... Uh, the first year I covered the program here, um, you know, he was a he was a junior. Uh, my first year on the beach, senior. My second year on the beach, and I, you know, one of the things that first struck me was the fact that you know, every time I'd go in there at the end of a practice, uh, you know, they, they'd have hard workouts, and then then it would be Doug on his own for another 45 minutes. He'd put on his his running shoes and run, or he'd do extra rope climbs, or, or get on a you know an airdyne or you know something else it was always something more than, than everybody else was doing and, and you know this is a program known for not cutting any corners and training as it is and training you know harder than you know most if not all the other programs out there and um and, and here he's doing stuff that's above and beyond and, and i think that's always been the case w- with him that uh you know he, he's not a guy that's going to cut corners and, and he's going to do things the right way and um you know that's the way he'll coach that's the way that he'll run the program up there and um you know he's going to bring excitement and uh, you know a vision for for the future and and not settle for anything less than uh, what he what he's always shot for and that's that's the top spot
5: yes indeed doug schwab certainly talks about the championship lifestyle and obviously the strong work ethic with extra effort is a. Uh, part of that strategy to get to where you want to be as far as accomplishing your goals. Going back to the World Team Trials, uh, Andy and Council Bluffs a few weeks ago, we had an uh, unusual circumstance where we saw Trent and Travis Paulson, the twins, wrestle competitively for the first time they were met in the finals of the Challenge Tournament with uh, Travis prevailing. What were your thoughts on the Paulson-Paulson showdown?
2: You know, I, uh, I I don't even know how to how to describe, but I mean it was just such a such a strange uh, situation where you know I was talking to Trent before the match and he said they'd never wrestled in any competitive match ever and it, right. you know they go back to you know I, I said not even at youth tournaments or anything like that and he said no first time we were supposed to meet uh, you know my mom flipped a coin and and uh, you know it's been every other guy since then you know we take turns on, on who, would, who would advance and you know they split the shared the title one year up in Fargo and Greco-Roman and right uh you know i think they they kind of knew that uh you know it was it was inevitable at, at some point that you know when they were in you know went into freestyle both in freestyle and in the weight classes are uh you know as spread out as they are you know when, when you're twins like that you're, you're going to be at the same you know your ideal weight is going to be the same your ideal weight class is going to be the same now you know they talked about how uh you know, Two thousand twelve they, they both have they have aspirations, their top goals they have both guys on the Olympic team, so that means uh, you know, Travis is either gonna have to get bigger or, uh, and go up to, to eighty five or uh, Trent's gonna have to cut back down to, to forty five and that's you know, that's that's their plan to uh, you know, just to have both guys in separate weight classes in, in twenty twelve.
5: Right, and for this year, obviously, they both wrestled at 163 pounds. Travis defeating Trent Paulson in the finals of the mini-tournament, and then Travis looking uh, very good against a very tough competitor in and Andrew Howe, uh, just a true sophomore out of Wisconsin, and Travis won that uh, best two-out-of-three battle. A couple of former Division II stars, Andy, met in the uh, the finals at 264 pounds. Les Sigmund, of course, was a four-time Division II NCAA champion for University of nebraska Omaha. Uh, Travell DeLognev, a two-time uh, Division II champion uh, out of University of Nebraska, Kearney. Uh, I believe they wrestled eight times in folk style in their careers, and Sigmund won all those battles, but uh, DeLognev had won, uh, I think, three out of five in, in freestyle uh, prior to this particular matchup. Uh, both athletes had good uh, cheering sections, and I tell you what, I was pretty impressed with uh, Les Sigmund. Defeating DeLognev, especially how much success DeLognev has had, including a bronze medal at the World Championships last year. Give us your take on uh, those battles at heavyweight.
2: Well, I think that, that the heavyweight matches were a uh, a good reflection of, of the tournament as a whole. And, and you know, I go back to last year, and, and I walked away from that tournament thinking, you know, uh, you know it, it was, you know, me as a wrestling, you know, fan, follower. Uh, you know, I, I was I was un, unhappy with the product. I, did, I didn't like the fact that, you know, that the guys weren't scoring points and and uh, you know I talked to some people about it and uh, you know we you know they were like well it's it's the rules and I said well it's not the rules because you watch the Russian nationals you watch the Olympics and guys are scoring points and and you know putting on a show and here we've got guys that are wrestling for. Uh, you know, two minutes and not not scoring any points, and we got all these matches going to the leg clinch, and it was it happened at 63, it happened at heavyweight, and um, it it couldn't have been more opposite this year. I mean, you've got two heavyweights that are are scoring multiple points a period. Um, you know, with good you know good attacks, good counter attacks, um, lots of good action in there, lots of points being scored, and it was. It was tremendous wrestling to watch and uh you know I, I credit both those guys for you know going after it and putting on a show and and not sitting around and, and playing strategy and stuff like that but uh um and you look at you look at the uh the matches from top to bottom um the series at 21 was phenomenal there was great action at uh in the zadek bunch match the metcalf Brayher series was unbelievable drama mm-hmm. um not to mention lots of points being scored scored in it um you know even 63 where last year with uh, schlater i think it went to a ball grab four times for him to make the that was brutal you know that that wasn't the case this year um you had a flurry in that match where uh you know how was in on paulson and it was just an unbelievable scramble that paulson won It kind of put him over the top in the second match and won the series for him um you know, I mean, Keith Gavin against Herbert. Wow, what a what a series that was! And uh, I mean, Keith Gavin comes out and wins three matches, uh, convincing or three periods convincingly against the you know the world uh, world silver medalist from a year ago. And and then uh, you know Herbert uh, finds a way to, to keep the series going and, and finds a way to win it. And um, you know, even 2-11 was you know Bergman was scoring a lot of points, and so you know that's. Uh, you know going back to your original question about the heavyweights i think it was that way from top to bottom and the heavyweights were certainly uh you know at a, at a weight where you don't expect a lot of great action that was that was really refreshing to see to see those guys scoring points and and uh you know it was it was emblematic of uh of the whole uh whole final all final series all seven
5: we're talking with andy hamilton from the iowa city press citizen one of the top uh, wrestling journalists in the nation. That's a good analysis of the entire freestyle tournament as a whole. The wrestling was a lot better, and there were a lot more risks being taken, a lot more action, a lot more sp- points being scored. And that's what uh, ultimately everybody wants to see. And it's good to see that uh, you know the Americans, you know, behind Zeke Jones and. Coaching staff, Brandon Slade, Bill Zadek, and of all the clubs and everybody that's involved with this uh, are definitely pressing their athletes uh, to score more points. You mentioned a couple of uh, Big Ten athletes that you've had a chance to see a lot of uh, the last few years. Uh, Jake Herbert, who really did have his back against the wall, Keith Gavin, who was a NCAA champion a couple years ago from the University of Pittsburgh, uh, looked outstanding. Uh, first off, I didn't think he was going to beat Hassman, and he beat him, and then he came out and gave Herbert all he could handle, and uh, Herbert was had his back against the wall and found a way to win that uh, second match and uh, the third match. But uh, uh, give us your take on uh, both Jake Herbert and uh, J.D. Bergman, who you saw a lot of in the Big Ten when they were at Northwestern and Ohio State. Um, I, I
2: guess, first of all, with, with Herbert, uh, you know, kind of taking the opposite approach there on, on him just for touching on gavin for a second uh i mean my god that guy was a stud i i did i was probably more impressed with him as a guy that, that that surprised me than anyone else in that tournament that i didn't realize how good he really was his shots were were incredible some of his his offensive stuff is, is yeah, really good he stuff. came to win and, and yet uh you know Herbert uh, found a way to hang in there, and and it seemed like at times he's got those, you know, those long arms where he can looks like he can almost tie his shoes without bending over, and uh, you know, it seemed like he could get to the legs whenever he wanted, and and just kind of maybe got in a situation where where he might have been surprised that Gavin was as good as he was, and that he was in such a scrap to make the team, but uh, you know, to his credit, uh, Herbert found a way. You know, he he uh I, I think with about uh you know 15 seconds to go in, in the second period of the second match it was, it was either find a way to score or, or uh you know he's not making the world team and he found a way to get a point and you know extend the series and then then found a way to do it after that but uh you know he's he's a guy that's obviously proven a lot already in a short amount of time on the international level and and I, I expect big things out of him again this year and then uh, you know Bergman just looks like a, a guy that's um, you know, a guy that's capable of doing something at a pretty tough weight class internationally. I mean, he looks uh, looks like a good size for that weight. And, uh, you know, I mean, to be able to score the points he scored on a guy that's is hard to score on is, is uh, Jake Varner. You know, it's pretty impressive. He's got a lot of good stuff in his arsenal. And I think, uh, you know, he might be capable of, of doing some things uh, at the World Championships, the championships this year
5: absolutely to a uh, very good performances there uh, by bergman and then uh, I would say well, really three. We uh, look at Herbert and Gavin. We're we're both outstanding. We're probably even more so. Gavin and Herbert uh, He's a savvy wrestler and found a way to win. Of course, he was a world silver medalist last year, and he's looking to settle for nothing less than bringing home the gold uh, in Moscow. Out of our seven members uh, for the freestyle team, Andy, uh, which of these young men do you think uh, has the best chance of bringing home the gold from uh, Moscow World Championships in early September?
2: Oh boy, I haven't. Uh thought that much that far ahead uh, you know i think you gotta like uh, herbert's chances is a, you know he's already done it uh already he got a silver um mm-hmm. you know just recently um you know zadek has, has reached that uh that uh level as well i mean the silver in 06 and looks like he's uh, he's wrestling like that again i mean mike's gonna have to really push the pace and uh you know, wrestle like he did in in some of those matches uh, out in Omaha where, or out in Council Bluffs, where where he was he was forcing the issue all the time. And you know, he'll give himself a chance. I you know I think I think Metcalf, uh you know he has got a lot of upside. It's uh, you know I, I don't know I don't know who uh, who has the best chance, um, but I know that they're you know if uh, the American team if those those seven guys wrestle like they did in Council Bluffs, they're they're all going to uh, Gives them give themselves a chance to come back with medals the way that uh, you know that they were wrestling if, if they stay on the offense like that. If they stand around and do what they you know wrestle like uh, you know the American American guys did a year ago at the World Team Trials, it, it's not going to end well. I mean you're you're just not going to you're not going to win a lot of matches internationally if if you're standing around hoping to win you know a ball grab a coin flip and, and win in the leg clinch. It's just it's just not going to work that way and. Um, you know, for the for the Americans to beat the Russians um, and, and the other foreigners that are at the the top in international wrestling, they're gonna they're gonna have to, to force the pace and uh, uh, stay on the offense, and that's that's why I like uh, like the chances of this team better, is because they they were guys that uh, were were taking risks, taking uh, uh, shots, and uh, you know staying on the offense, and I think ultimately that's that's what's gonna win.
5: Absolutely. Th- and, and,
2: and I, you know, you can't forget Sigmund as well. I mean, for, for him to do what he did against uh, uh, DeLognev, uh, you know, very impressive. I mean, that's that's a guy that's a heavyweight with offense. And, and heavyweights that, that score points, uh, you know, usually put themselves in metal contention.
5: Absolutely. Things are definitely going in the right direction with the American Freestyle men's team. Uh, We've only got about a minute left here. We're talking with Andy Hamilton for the Iowa City Press-Citizen who covers uh, the Hawkeyes for both wrestling, football, and some baseball as well. Uh, Matt McDonough was NCAA champion, 125 pounds last year. It's said that he cut a lot of weight. Does it look like, from your perspective or what you know, that McDonough will go back to 25, or do you see him moving up to 133 for the upcoming season?
2: Uh, just my guess at this point, I think he stays at, at 125, I think, uh, you know, if he's trying to decode some of the things that he said uh, uh, here in the last uh, couple months, I, I think that's the plan for him, that, uh, you know, he's going to wait it out and see, you know, what his body does here in the coming months, you know, coming weeks and coming months, and, you uh, uh, you know, before he makes a decision, but I I suspect we'll, we'll see him back at 125. It was such a good fit for him. He he said he, he you know, the cut wasn't as bad as probably what people thought, and uh, uh, you know he was he was strong, and um, obviously nobody held up better than he did in matches. I mean, I never saw a guy walk off the mat against him that uh, looked to be in better shape than him. So yeah, uh, you know, I think it gives gives Iowa a tremendous advantage for. To have a guy start in dual meets like that that, that's going to come out and, and, you know, score points and, uh, you know, win the majority of his matches and and do it with, uh, you know, I think he had bonus points in close to 30 matches last year, which is just phenomenal for a freshman. He did have a
5: phenomenal career, only lost one bout, won the NCAA title, so we'll be expecting more great things from Matt McDonough over the next three years. That's all the time we have for this segment. We've been talking with Andy Hamilton of the Iowa City Press Citizen. Andy, always a pleasure, and thanks for coming on the program.
2: All right, anytime,
5: Cap. All right, take care. All right, we need to take a break. We'll be back in two minutes. You're listening to On The Mat, KCNZ, AM 1650. The fan will be coming back with pro wrestling star
1: Renee Goulet. Spend time with your family this weekend at Dizer Days 2010 with events starting Friday at 5. Saturday, beginning with a Firecracker 5K run and Grand Parade to follow, plus rides, music, food, and other activities going on. End your fun-filled weekend at Dizer Days with fireworks at dusk on Sunday evening. See you this weekend. Celebrate the 4th with Dizer Days and Raggy Realty, specializing in farms, residential, and acreages for 17 years, serving Tama and Benton counties and surrounding areas, planning to move or wanting to buy sell. Give Roggy Realty a call today, 800-796-8488, and enjoy the fun at Dyser Days this weekend. Many of you may know Amber, the hairdresser who previously worked in Waterloo. Guess what? She now owns Hair Designs Unlimited in Dysart and wants to invite you to come and visit her for that new look. She's also a sponsor for Dysart's 4th of July celebration weekend. Come celebrate the 4th in Dysart and visit Hair Designs Unlimited at 504 Wilson Street, 476-3366. You've heard about it. Maybe you've even thought about it. Now is the best time to retrofoam your home. This is Iowa and that means it's going to get hot. Beat the heat. Stay cool this summer and save some green on your utility bills by having your existing home re-insulated with retrofoam. You can save up to 50% on your utility bills year round and enjoy the comfort of your own home when you call retrofoam. foam foam is safe. Non-toxic retards mold and mildew and pollen infiltration. There are no plugs in your brick, aluminum, or vinyl siding afterward. From the outside, you'll never know anything was done to your home. Ask about Retrofoam's summer savings package when you call Retrofoam of Iowa. 877-791-FOAM. For a free estimate. Save tons of green by going green. Now that you've heard of Retrofoam, take action and call now. 877-791-FOAM. 877-791-FOAM. Or watch the two-minute video at retrofoamia.com. Now is the time to retro foam your home. The Tony Bruno Show. All the buffoons on talk radio who don't know what they're talking about... I don't get it. The US had another goal disallowed, and there's outrage, upheaval, and tumult. Because you know, if this had happened to another country that really takes soccer, to the point of murder, mayhem, if this had happened to England or Germany, they would be rioting in the streets. They would go house to house trying to find this referee. Tony Bruno.
4: Weeknights at 9 on 1650 the Fan, ACNZ.
5: Welcome back to On The Man. I'm Kent Sesker with the National Wrestling Hall of Fame Dan Gable Museum. Our next guest is Rene Goulet, former professional wrestling star who currently resides in North Carolina. Rene, welcome to the program. Rene, we still there? Pardon? Okay, Rene. Welcome to the program. How are you today?
3: I'm doing fine. Very good.
5: All right. Well, thank you very much for for coming on the program. Uh, Rene, you're originally from Canada. And you broke into the professional wrestling business in 1957. How did you get your start, and why did you want to get into professional wrestling?
3: Well, yes, you're right. I was—I uh, started have my first match in professional wrestling in 1957. Uh, I'm from Quebec City, Canada. And what I decided there, I was—you um, know—all my life I was in sport. I was—I used to play hockey before that, and all that. And I also did some uh, little amateur wrestling, uh, you know, for my training before getting in the pro wrestling. And um, that was it, you know. From there on, I worked, uh, I wrestled uh, locally uh, until 1963, and that's when I had my my good break for, uh, to come in the United States here for uh, wrestling. I came in for... uh, Vern Garnier and Wally Carbo in Minneapolis, Minnesota.
5: Okay, certainly. Um, you wrestled some of the biggest men in pro wrestling history. Uh, a couple that stand out, Chris Taylor and Andre the Giant, both well over 400 pounds. Tell us about those experiences.
3: Well, Chris Taylor, yes. I had this first match right after the Olympic. Uh, and uh, Man, the, the, this guy was so big and, and, and so strong, you know and um, I had my first match I think it was in St. Paul, Minnesota if I remember and uh, he uh, you know it was no for me it was no way to handle him he was so big in you know, him I think and it finally you know get me on the barog and I had to give up right there <laughs> <laughs> and for Andre the Giant I, I wrestled Andre the Giant but not uh, in a single match I wrestled him again, on the on you know like a battle royal type of matches and, um, but I traveled with Andre all over the country, all over the world, really, you know, as, uh, not as manager, but, uh, as, you know, a partner, wrestling partner, tag team partner mm. in Japan. And, uh, we did that for a few years. And, uh, those guys, Andre was fabulous, you know, great men, And, uh, he, um, there's not that many guys who could, uh, who could, uh, beat him, you know, in the ring.
5: Right. That's a lot of mass. And that was dope. a good
3: experience with them. Chris Taylor was uh, uh, also uh, one of the uh, top guys I'd ever wrestled in because, you know, I mean, uh, I, I still wonder how oh, this guy from uh, from Germany who gave him the suplex, how oh, that guys could have done that, you know. It's unbelievable, you know.
5: Right. We're talking with Rene Goulet. You'll be in Waterloo next weekend for the. George Tragos Luthez Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame induction ceremony where uh, you'll be playing golf in our Celebrity Golf Tournament on Friday, July the 9th, and you'll also be receiving the Luthez Award at the induction ceremony on Saturday, July the 10th at the Dan Gable Museum. Uh, tell our les- listeners what receiving the Luthes Award means to you, Renee.
3: Well, I mean, I'm very proud of it. You know, It's an honor for me, especially on my you know that uh, being in the pro wrestling for uh, 40 years and uh, you know I won one day when I uh, was I first started in the wrestling business if you would have told me that I would be uh, at the uh, Hall of fame uh, Lute's is of fame uh, you know it's 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 a big big deal really a big honor and uh, I'm very happy the people I would like to thank the people who vote me in for that and um you know that's that's just a great honor. You know that's uh, achieve uh, something at, at the end of your career or the middle of your career and everything. But it's never too late to get it, and I'm very proud of it. You know,
5: absolutely well deserved. You play a lot of golf, or how is your golf game? And can we expect any eagles or hole in ones while you're here in Waterloo?
3: <laughs> Not for me, <laughs> for me. <laughs> now my game is, 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 you know, I I, I started to play golf. The truth when I retired from the uh, pro wrestling, uh, uh, working. I mean, uh, uh, from uh, you know, I used to be an agent for World Wrestling Federation, also road right. agent for them, and that's what I started to play golf. You know, at, uh, as a hobby, and but uh, well, I was playing pretty good for a while. But the last couple of years I looked, I lost some of my game. I had two hip replacements, and also that, um, you know, my swing is not as good as it used to be, but I still play, you know, I play this week here. At, it was like 97 degree degrees, very, very warm here in Charlotte, and I shot like 92, you know. It's, uh, that's not too bad for me, but it's not great, you know. Yeah,
5: certainly I like to play in
3: the really low 80s.
5: Right, there you go. Uh, we're talking with Renee Goulet who will be in uh, Waterloo next weekend for our George Tragos Luthes Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame weekend activities. Uh, you wrestled professionally for twenty seven years. What are some of the mm. fondest memories from your career?
3: Well, I mean it was never a dull moment, that's for sure. You know, and it's because you're so busy all the time, you know. At one time it was a thing like uh, three well we're down to about like three hundred days a year, you know, on the road. That's a lot of work. And, um, you know, the, the good memory, that's, uh, you know, travel all over the world, and you meet different people in different places, which is uh, uh, very nice, you know. And uh, toward the end of my career, like I told you earlier, that uh, i become a, uh, an agent for World Wrestling Federation. Uh, that was uh, pretty good, too. You know, it was a good step from pro wrestling to Stay in in wrestling too, you know, but in different uh, stage, you know, you know, like, um, you know, be on the road with all the guys, and uh, you know, uh, it's like uh, TV, uh, doing TV production and interview and all this, you know, that was really interesting, but a lot of work.
5: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely,
3: a lot of work and a lot of traveling, you you, you know.
5: You earned every didn't dime. I
3: enjoy it, of course. You know, if I didn't enjoy it, I wouldn't have been that long in it. You know, but uh, that's the way it is. You know, that's uh, I choose. I choose that as, as my career, and uh, I stayed uh, the whole time, and uh, I doing pretty well too. I've been doing pretty well,
5: also. Absolutely, you had a very good career. We're talking with Rene Goulet. Rene, did you ever have the opportunity to wrestle uh, either Dan Hodge or Luthes?
3: Yes, <laughs> Danny Hodge, I wrestled him quite a few times and uh, I wrestled him up in uh, Minneapolis uh, in the uh, 70's you know he was a tough son of a gun he's a two and uh, I mean you know you, you know his background in the amateur wrestling and boxing right. all of that Man, his grip was uh, well known all over the the, 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 the country you know if ever <laughs> shake him with him and it's uh, put you right on your knees And uh, he was a very good wrestler, too, professional wrestler, too. I really enjoyed to wrestle him, you know. And also, I wrestled Luteis, but only a couple of times, but never in a single match. It was mainly like a tag team match, you know. I wrestled him back in uh, uh, Indianapolis. Uh, I was working for Dick DeBroser at the time there, and Luteis uh, came into territory. And, uh, you know, I I wrestled him toward the end of his career, too, you know. Mm
5: -hmm. But you only wrestled until 74, so that was quite a career that uh, Luth has had. Uh, we're talking with Rene Goulet, who will be in Waterloo next. No, Nick. I wrestled
3: until the, the, the year the 84. I think I had my last match in 1984.
5: 1984, okay. Actually, I was referring to Lou Thez, who oh, okay. wrestled okay. until he was 74 years old, so I apologize for the <laughs> misunderstanding there, uh, Renee. <laughs> well, um, you, you obviously had, had a great career, and as you mentioned earlier, after uh, wrestling professionally for 27 years, you went on and you were a road manager for uh, a, a decade plus after you, you stopped wrestling. Tell us about that role and what you enjoyed about it.
3: Well, I enjoy it, you know, I was, a, like I said, it was a different uh, uh, side of uh, the wrestling, you know, we knew, I knew all the wrestling uh, 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 wrestling business, you know, and that was the only part I didn't really know about it, but uh, and they put me in charge there with an agent, uh, you know, as the, the work that we have to do, especially for World Wrestling Federation, because... There was I I was there especially at the start of this uh, the new uh, era of wrestling. You know, they were wrestling. You know, we had wrestling matches three times, uh, uh, three towns running three towns a night all over the country and uh, all over the world. You know, when you had to have an uh, agent going to uh, to a town to uh, make sure that everything is working properly there as far as the 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 uh, box office. You know, no much. Uh, uh, money was uh, in the house, and the uh, uh, the advance money, for, and also for the uh, boys in there on the dressing room, make uh, make sure that everybody's doing uh, the right thing, and they, they were there on time. And uh, because we had the you know list the of, of thing to do, you know, like the the line up of the guys, you know, which one is going to be on first match, second match, or third match, or the we know who was the main event, but we have to put a uh, some sort of um, a schedule, right, you know, line up there for the match, and uh, that was very interesting, you know, on both sides, and, uh, but uh, there wasn't that an easy job, too, because most of the time we used to have, like, a, sometimes 40 wrestler in the car, you know, because we were sure. running all big shows those days, and uh, you have to deal with 40 different uh, uh, person, you know, mm-hmm. that uh, sometimes guys don't feel too good, and they get that bad, the, I don't know bad trip or uh, you know airplane canceling and everything. Or we got to make sure that everything was working properly, you know. And that uh, did that for almost 15 years
5: absolutely well you had a long run in in the business and uh, you're very well respected uh, throughout the professional wrestling uh, industry we're talking with renee goulet uh, who'll be in iowa next weekend to receive the luthes award at the george tragos luthes professional wrestling hall of fame induction ceremony on july 10th he'll also be playing in our golf tournament on friday july 9th as one of our celebrities Uh, renee who was the toughest opponent you ever faced in the ring
3: well, one of my f- f- uh, toughest uh, opponent in the ring was uh, one of the guys who, uh, uh, not stuck me, but, uh, you know, uh, uh, after a match in uh, Quebec, uh, Canada, I mentioned Maurice Maddog vachon Sure. And uh, he's the one after the match, he finished, after I got beat up and everything, he said to me, he said, why don't, why don't you go in the uh, USA, in, in the United States, and... Uh, you know, it's for wrestling, you know, well, I Maurice, I don't speak a word in English, and I don't know anybody out there. I need a wrestling promoter. He said, hey, let me handle that. He says, I'm going to call uh, Wally Carpenter in Minneapolis, and I'll book you in there, and you go from then. And that's what he did. But well, that guy was very tough and very well-respected all over the world, Maurice, and uh, he uh, still, uh, in the. Well, I think he's going to be there, too, at the uh, yes, he will. All, uh, Hall of Fame. I think he goes every every year. Mm-hmm. But they very tough and respected men in the wrestling business, you know.
5: Absolutely. And they
3: really did help me a lot at first, you know, to start, to go on the road and, uh, you know, start my career there, you know.
5: So he's a good guy to have on your team versus having to face in the ring, huh?
3: Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> And as far as the other guys, the toughest thing, you know, every wrestling match was different, you know, every night, especially in our time, you know, we wrestle against different opponents. You get in there, you know, when uh, you wrestle with the different guys, and uh, uh, you know, everybody was tough, you know, every uh, it's about the same uh, level. Sometimes you get some bigger guy than uh, than uh, I was, and things like that, but. Um, Never complain at nothing, you know, and just go in there and and did it, you know. That's what, uh, uh, and I love to do it, uh, which I really, you know, every night was a different town, you know, and it doesn't matter if it was uh, 10,000 people in the place or, or 500, you know, I really enjoyed to be in there, you know.
5: Absolutely, well, you had a terrific career, you'll be here next weekend for our Luthez George Stragos, Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame activities. Our five inductees this year will be Terry Funk, Paul Deshaun, Mad Dog's brother, Stanislaw Zabisco, Warren Bakwiko, and George Gordienko. Rene Goulet, of course, will be receiving the Luthes Award. Uh, We will also have uh, Mitch Foley here. They'll be receiving the Frank Gotch Award. And our next guest on the program is... Uh, J. Michael Kenyon will receiving the Jim Melby Award. So we're very happy to have you along with uh, all the several other Hall of Famers that plan on being uh, in attendance this uh, next weekend, and those include such people as Fritz von Gehring, Larry Hennig, uh, Mad Dog Vashon, as we mentioned, Baron Von Raschke, Dan Hodge, Bob Roop. You could probably tell stories for hours about these guys, huh, Renee? Yeah, that's for sure,
3: and they told him Baron Von Raschke. It was another tough, tough as opponent there was, you know. Very good. And I mentioned uh, George Gordienko. I wrestled uh, George Gordienko the first time in Winnipeg, Canada. And it was in the, in, in the 70, early 70. We used to wrestle there in Winnipeg, and uh, I wrestled George Gordienko. Man, he picked me up like I was nothing, you know, I right? And I used to work uh, 225, 230 at the time, mm-hmm. and man, he was strong, and also I wrestled him in Germany. I wrestled in Germany for three four months in uh, '74, and I wrestled George Cardenco at about uh, two or three different time over there, too, you know. Matter of fact, he was a, a big star in uh, overseas in Germany, and at one time in England and all that, too, you know.
5: Absolutely. Well, that's terrific stuff, Renee. We're looking forward to having you in Iowa next year, or excuse me, next weekend, so you can that's hit a it. so you can hit a couple hole in ones at our golf tournament, receive your award, and uh, have some great camaraderie with all your professional wrestling legend friends. So, Renee, it's been a pleasure having you on the program, and we look forward to having you in Waterloo next weekend.
3: Okay. Again, thank you very much to have me on, and I'm looking forward to see all you people up there too.
5: You're welcome. Thank, thank you, Renee.
3: Thank you very much. Bye.
5: All right, we need to take a break. You're listening to KCNZ AM 1650, The Fan, on the mat. Our next guest will be journalist J. Michael Kenyon. Stay tuned.
4: Jim Rome here with your Rome Report. Rob Johnson pulled a ground rule double into the right field stance. Then you've got this dude on his cell phone who tried to make a play on the ball with his face. You know, he's been living at 93 all year. Got hit faces, is not it? No. On the phone. Oh, you see that? And again, this is not somebody up the foul line who could not get out of the way. This is a guy in the outfield. Plenty of time to track that ball. Look, unless you're talking to the babysitter and there's a problem at home, that ball was guided by karma. Get off the phone. You're at the ballpark, aren't you? There for a reason. Don't you want to take in the atmosphere? Don't you want to get a beer? Enjoy the game, don't you? Because everybody around you does. That's why they're there. Not to hear you close deals, spit game, mac, or do whatever it is you were doing. If you're watching the game, you're not going to get hit in the face. Hey, clones, you work hard, rain or shine. Good news is, so does liquid nail subfloor adhesive. It works in temperatures as low as 22 degrees Fahrenheit and as high as 120. It even bonds to wet or frozen lumber that is flat out strong. Want more? Get to winliquidnails.com slash roam between now and December 31st, 2010 for an amazing promotion. You deserve products that work as hard as you do. Use Liquid Nails brand adhesives for a job that's done once, done right. Hey, clones, listen up. If you want a high-quality truck, you owe it to yourself to check out Chevy Silverado. It's as dependable as the day is long, and Chevy has been bringing it for over 90 years and counting. To guarantee its quality, Chevy backs it up with a 100,000-mile, five-year transferable powertrain warranty, whichever comes first. And Silverado Half-Ton is also a Consumer's Digest Best Buy. Get a look for yourself at Chevy.com slash Silverado. See Chevy dealer for limited warranty details.
1: Hi, I'm George Castle, host of Diamond Gems. Don't miss our unique combination of interviews, analysis, and rare vintage baseball broadcast highlights each week. It's a -a one-of-a-kind show that melds baseball's past and present. It's all part of the best baseball talk you'll get anywhere, exclusively each week, on Diamond Gems. Join George Castle for Diamond Gems, Saturday mornings at 6, on your home for baseball, 1650 The Fan, KCNZ. I'm meteorologist Ray Miller with your weather-eye forecast on the fan. Expect mainly clear skies tonight with a low of 56 degrees and variable winds at 5 to 10. Thursday, sunshine with a high of 82 and south winds at 5 to 15 miles an hour. Clear skies Thursday night with a low temperature of 60. Friday, sunshine with a high temperature of 85. Saturday, sunny with a high temperature of 86 degrees. I'm meteorologist Ray Miller on 1650 The Fan, KCNZ. Right now, it's 77.
5: Welcome back to On the Mat. I'm Kent Sesker with the National Wrestling Hall of Fame Dan Gable Museum. Our next guest is journalist J. Michael Kenyon. Mr. Kenyon, how are you today?
0: Just fine, sir. Glad to be talking with
5: you. All right. Well, we're certainly glad to have you on the program. Appreciate you taking the time to do it. Uh, Michael, you covered uh, many sports in, in your career, including baseball, basketball, professional wrestling. What led you uh, to get into journalism?
0: I think it started when I was about 12 years old. I had an assignment in a junior high school class, my seventh grade class. They wanted us to make a crossword puzzle. And they said the best crossword puzzle will be printed in the school newspaper. Well, I won the competition. The crossword puzzle went into the newspaper under my name, and I was hooked. I thought, boy, this is a great way to make a living. I'll just make up stuff and they'll print it under my (laughs) name and i'll live happily ever after
5: okay hopefully you didn't do too much making up most of those were fact-oriented stories weren't they
0: oh of course everything really just like (laughs) professional wrestling
5: (laughs) all right uh michael obviously you're well respected in your field what did you enjoy more uh doing the writing or, or the broadcasting part of your career
0: Oh, I don't know. I I, I think the part I enjoyed most about both of them was the researching. That's one of the things that got me so interested in the history of professional wrestling, was just looking up uh, about where everything came from and and the secrets behind everything. Writing was fun. Broadcasting is fun. uh, They both have their places. I was one of the earliest guys in Seattle to go from newspapers into radio. Mm -hmm. At a time when not too many people were doing that, this is you know more than about what 35 years ago probably, and uh, got on a got on a talk show that uh, got got some national recognition from Larry King and some guys who helped me along, and, and I had a lot of fun at it for a lot of years, and so I guess uh, you get more notoriety on on the air, but I think ultimately you probably have more satisfaction by uh, by writing because somebody can at least drain their bacon on top of your clippings
5: (laughs) (laughs) good good analysis on that we're talking with (laughs) j michael kenyon who will be in waterloo next weekend to receive the jim melby award for excellence in journalism for professional wrestling part of the pro hall of fame festivities uh michael what does this award uh mean to you winning the jim melby award for excellence in journalism for professional wrestling
0: well, having been somebody who knew and worked with Jim Melby for more than 30 years, it means a little bit more than, than uh, winning some awards, I suppose, uh, when you're close to the person for whom it's, it's named it has a special meaning. Jim was, of all the fellows who, who do what we have done all these years, uh, was probably the nicest guy in the bunch and, and probably the hardest worker. And so to, to be able to follow in his path uh, is it means something. It's it's important, and I think uh, the reaction I've gotten from other guys and that who who do what we do, whatever it is that we do, <laughs> uh, uh, validates that as well. Uh, they they seem to be uh, happy that uh, that I've won the thing. So uh, I'm looking forward to coming to Waterloo again.
5: All right. Well, we're certainly looking forward to having you. We're speaking with J. Michael Kenyon who. Will be receiving the Jim Melby Award uh, next weekend as part of our Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame weekend. Uh, Michael, where did you grow up, and were you an athlete as a kid?
0: Well, uh, your definition of athlete will have to be stretched a little bit. I thought I was an <laughs> athlete. I was—I was going to be a basketball player when I was 12 years old or 13 years old. I was six foot four, and I thought wow. I was going to be—I. Uh, I had seen Wilt Chamberlain play, and I imagined myself being about that size by the time I was fully grown. A terrible thing happened, though. My growth was stunted at that very point. I'm, to this day, I'm still six foot four, and I weigh about 200 more pounds than I did then. <laughs> And then it turned out that I couldn't, and instead of playing center and being able to get the ball up close under the basket, I had to dribble it up the floor. The only problem was when I dribbled the ball, the ball would come down to the floor and it would never get back up in my hand. Somebody would steal it. So I became a journalist. Okay. Well, obviously, it's worth. I wanted. I wanted to be an athlete in the worst way. <laughs> I, who doesn't in America?
5: <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. You Have a lot of uh, things to to aspire to from that, but uh, journalism certainly a, a, a nice career move as well.
0: I still got. I still got to Madison Square Garden. There you go. And I got to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. So uh, uh, I got the Rose Bowls, and I got the Sugar Bowls, and Super Bowls, and World Series, and All Star Games, and everything. So. Probably in the long run did better than most athletes.
5: There you go. He probably attended a lot more events and went to a lot more venues than. Uh uh, a lot of the guys who were actually competing in the different sports.
0: And I was able to break training all the time, too.
5: <laughs> your your training methods were uh, whatever the, you wanted them they to were, be. They
0: were suspect. <laughs>
5: they were suspect. We're talking with J. Michael Kenyon, uh, who will be receiving the Jim Melby Award in, in Waterloo next weekend. Uh, Michael, who were your uh, mentors and role models in your journalism career?
0: Ooh, I, I suppose columnists like uh, Jimmy Cannon and... Uh, Jim Murray and Mel Derslag and uh, probably the I think the best person who ever wrote about sports was Bill Hines, W.C. Hines who wrote about just all manner of sports there are some collected volumes of his work that uh, I think are, are worth their weight in gold. If anybody wants to learn how to write about sports, just pick up something uh, that W.C. Hines wrote he's also the guy who uh, wrote MASH that uh, turned into the television series really so he was able to live pretty comfortably in his later years but the the magazine uh sports writing that he did about guys like pete Breeser and a lot of old boxers and baseball players and football players is just beyond compare and i was lucky enough to read him when i was a kid and he probably had as much influence on me as anybody
5: good deal we're talking with j michael kenyon uh michael have you been to iowa before
0: Yes, this I think will be my uh, fourth trip to the to the inductions. I was at the initial induction uh, in Newton in nineteen ninety nine. Okay. And in fact, they put me into the Cauliflower Alley Club uh, uh, board of directors and on that trip. I went back to Newton a second time, and this will be my second time to Waterloo.
5: Okay, super. I think
0: I, I think I was there last, and I think it was two thousand seven when uh, Red Bastine.
5: Oh, sure. Was Here.
0: put into the along yep. with Steve Williams. Dr. Death,
5: right. Okay. Good Dale
0: idea. Lewis was a it just turned out everybody I, that was on that uh, card that day, Dale Lewis was a, a dear friend of mine. Uh, of course, he died a long time ago, but mm-hmm. the very first time I was ever let into a professional wrestling dressing room was in Waco, Texas, when I was 19 years old. And I was a rookie, and a, and a rookie on that card that night was Dale Lewis who had only turned pro about, oh, six months before. You know, he was a former AAU champion out of Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, we struck up a, an interesting friendship that lasted for quite a few years until he, he of course, died rather prematurely, but was a turned out to be a wonderful professional wrestler. And Red Bastien has, has been a close friend of mine for a long time.
5: Red is quite the character as well. We're talking with J. Michael Kenyon. Uh, Michael, who were some of the most entertaining characters that you had an opportunity uh, to meet in uh, professional wrestling?
0: Well, I think I think any list like that, uh, you know, there's, there's certainly plenty of characters in the in the uh, in the wrestling business. Uh, Maurice Mad Dog Vachon mm-hmm. It's a dog eat dog world. You can't you can't leave him off the list. Right. Uh, Gene Kanisky, who we just lost this spring. Mm -hmm. Uh, Giant Gene, uh, Canada's greatest athlete, a fellow who went into the Hall of Fame there in Waterloo in 2004, was a memorable character. I got a chance to spend a little time around him and his life. Luthez, of course, the very first wrestling match I ever saw in my life, a pro match, was way back in about 1952. I saw Luthez wrestle Primo Carnera. And then years later, probably 45 years later, I had a chance to meet Lou, and and we were pretty good friends for the last 10 10 years or so that he was alive. Uh, Lou was a a fascinating character, and of course it's nice to have his name along with George uh, Tragos on the Hall of Fame, the professional wing of the Hall of Fame.
5: Absolutely. We're talking with J. Michael Kenyon and your travels of... Crossed you paths with many great athletes in in wrestling as well as a variety of other sports. What are you most proud of that you accomplished in your career as a journalist?
0: Mm, boy, that's a that's an interesting question. I, I don't think I've ever given that any thought. I would I would think that uh, uh, just just based on the reaction that I've gotten gotten from people over a fifty year span. Uh, just by making people uh, smile a little bit I think uh, I always tried to write uh, happy stories and talk about happy stuff on the radio and and, and to be recognized for having brought a little joy into a few lives uh, that's about as much as I could have ever hoped to have accomplished
5: okay well that's it's certainly an underrated aspect and I'm glad you uh, took that perspective uh, on your career um who are some of the people that you uh, respect most from the professional wrestling game?
0: Well, I think I, I respect the promoters as much as anybody. I, I did some promoting myself, not only in wrestling, but in other sports, uh, auto racing and boat racing and boxing and different things. And, and so I know how hard it is. I've always had a had a fascination with promoters and, and uh, guys who could... Uh, beat the drums and, and do the who and, and manage to draw a crowd. It's a, it's a very difficult art. There are a lot, a lot of people that try it, but there aren't very many people that, are, that really excel at it. And in wrestling, I've had a chance to know some people like Leo Garibaldi, who I think was one of the greatest wrestling promoters that ever lived. We lost him just a couple of years ago, too. Leo was the... The scion of a a big wrestling family, the Garibaldis. His dad was Gino Garibaldi. I met Paul Bosch and was fairly close to him. I even had a chance to edit his uh, autobiography. He was a longtime promoter in Houston. He was a genius at the art, invented many of the things that uh, that we came to know as being regular features of professional wrestling, uh, tag team matches and cage matches and all those things that most of them uh, mud matches even things that came out of the fertile mind of uh, Paul Bosch who was a, a fascinating character Don Owen up in the Pacific Northwest out of Portland was a came uh, was another son of a promoter and, and promoted himself for, for like 45 years very w- well respected in the business uh, the list goes on and on but uh, uh, it's amazing that the, the the wrestling business is really built on the backs of the promoters. The wrestlers come sure. and go. The promoters were there for for sometimes as much as a half a century. And they were uh, the guys who made it uh, what it really was. And just, just the same case today with Vince McMahon. It's hard to imagine the WWE without Vince McMahon.
5: Yeah, good point, certainly. We're talking with J. Michael Kenyon, who will be here. In Waterloo next weekend is part of the George Tragos Luthez Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame Inductions Weekend, and he will be receiving the Jim Melby Award for uh, Excellence in Journalism. A lot going on that weekend. We have our golf tournament on Friday, July 9th at Irv Warren Memorial in Waterloo. Still spots available. If you'd like to play in that, you can call the museum at 319-233-0745, just $90 per person to get into that. And then, of course, we'll have our Fan Fest, which will kick off at 5.30 at the Five Sullivan Brothers Convention Center. And then the pro show will start at 7 p.m. And then, of course, our Hall of Fame induction ceremony will be Saturday at noon, Saturday, July 10th, at noon at the Dan Gable Museum. So a lot going on, and we're we're looking forward to having uh, Mr. Kenyon there as well as uh, many other greats from the professional wrestling uh, genre. Uh, Michael, who was the best professional wrestler you ever saw perform live?
0: Well, my my favorite or the best.
5: Uh, we, I, we, I, we, we only got a minute. Give us both answers.
0: The best I ever saw was Lutsetz. Okay, uh, without question, he was just, he could accomplish anything in a ring. And uh, my favorite was uh, was a fellow who played football at Ohio State, uh, Shag King Toby Thomas who, incidentally, I was lucky enough to to run the international Shag King-Toby Thomas fan club when I was a kid. (laughs) All right, uh, no no coincidence there, right? Shag was a close friend, but he was also the most entertaining guy I ever saw in the ring. He He was remarkable in the ring, out of the ring. He was just a lot of fun. A great sports fan, too
5: outstanding. Well, Mr. Kenyon, it's been a pleasure having you on the program. Uh, we're looking forward to having you uh, back in Waterloo next weekend to receive the uh, Jim Melby Award. Congratulations on this great honor, and uh, looking forward to having you here to uh, enjoy the ceremonies.
0: Well, I just hope I can, I can get my thumb up in the air and get a car to stop and pick me up so I can get back there, and I'll look forward to seeing you.
5: <laughs> All right, that's terrific. Thanks for your time, Mr. Kenyon. All right, that does it for tonight's episode. You have been listening to On the Mat on KCNZ AM 1650. The fans stay tuned every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Thanks for supporting the world's oldest and greatest sport. Good night and God bless.